0: Take your Bibles, if you will, and open up to Luke chapter 12. (laughs) Luke chapter 12. And while you're turning there, let me remind you that the get-together we're going to have to remember Bonnie Brown's mother is going to be this coming Saturday. It's going to be from 11 to 1 o'clock, I believe. Is that correct, Bonnie? To 2 o'clock? It'll be a little... Uh, service and then there'll be some light refreshments. So it's this Saturday from 11 to 2 with uh, light refreshments. Where's uh, Herd Heron? Right? Where is it? Good to have you in class. Herd was a, is a Masters of Arts graduate from the Criswell College and uh, he took my personal evangelism class and then on our first mission trip, this is when I came back to the college for the very first year I believe, wasn't it Herd? We took a mission trip with about 20 students the Salt Lake City, Utah. Is that where it was, Herd? And the Lord really moved, and we had a, it was a great, uh, great experience. Herd was a, got an A in that evangelism class, and since then, even before that, he was involved in evangelism. He's written his own gospel tract that was published by the American Tract Society, and it's called Tornadoes. very uh, apropos for this region, and it just talks about the uncertainty of life and death and What are you supposed to do in a situation? You better be ready to face situations. So uh, it's good to have her in class today and and his wife. Uh, Also, the President's Council is going to meet right after the class in that back table. Uh, uh, One of our committees, an ad hoc committee, met with the pastor this past week regarding facilities uh, for our classroom, and uh, we're going to be meeting and discussing that, and then we'll give you a report next week. Now, did you find uh, Luke chapter well, let me pray for us, can I? Father, I thank you for your word, I thank you for all the ministries that are going on, for the people who have served you faithfully, uh, such as Ken Stoner and Claudette and, uh, and just everybody that's just given their lives to this class because they love you and they, they want to serve you. It was never out of any selfish motive, never for any uh, recognition. Uh But they just sense that you planted them here, and then you use them in a great way. We thank you for their service to us. Now, Lord, as we open your words, speak to us. May we become more like Christ because of what we read today. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to pick up at verse 35, and uh, you'll notice that Jesus is still speaking. If you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, you'll notice that verse 35 is written in red, And uh, Jesus has been speaking this whole chapter. In fact, uh, chapter 12 opens in verse 1 with these words, In the meantime, an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another. Remember when we dealt with this, the stampede? And he began to say to his disciples, first of all, he gives them a warning. Now watch what he says in verse 1. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He says you have to watch out for leaven. Leaven is that which causes things to swell and grow and in this case it's hypocrisy. And these Pharisees are people who make professions of a belief in God. They hide behind that mask, but they are consumed with greed and self-centeredness. And it just continues to expand and expand. And Jesus says we Uh, need to watch out for that kind of stuff as well. And then in verse 16, uh, he begins to speak to his disciples and he uh, gives a parable. He tells a parable of a rich man who who was a farmer who had a bumper crop. And he begins to speak to himself and he says, what should I do with all this extra goods, this extra money that it's going to produce? He decides to keep it for himself. So he's just like the Pharisees. It's his greed that just keeps growing. Uh, Instead of looking out for other people's needs, he looks out for his own need. And then in verse 22, Jesus says to his disciples, "Uh, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, nor about your body, what you put on. In other words, don't be like these people. Don't hoard stuff. Don't be greedy. Don't be self-centered. Don't worry about these things. Uh, your daily needs, trust your Father, give away things, get rid of stuff. You know, one day you're going to die and everything you have is just going to be somebody else's. And you won't have a say in it. People come into your house and those I want this, I want this, and your daughter-in-law, whom you don't like, she'll want that. <laughs> and we have we have so much stuff. We have stuff in our closets and storage, and we don't even know what's in there and in fact we don't even know why we have it. We should just get rid of it. And then just trust God. He's your father, just like your earthly father took care of you, God your father will take care of you and uh, he'll meet your needs. Now today's lesson we begin at verse 35. Jesus is still speaking, it's in red, and we're going to divide this into three sections and here's how we're going to here's how we will divide it. Verses 35 through 38, section 1. Verses 39 through 41, section 2. In verses 42 through 48, section 3. Each one of these sections contains an illustration that drives home a very important point. And each one of these illustrations revolves around a household. It revolves around a a family or a house. Now look at verse 35. And what we're going to start in this first section is we're going to discover, we're going to get instructions or a lesson regarding readiness. That's what we're going to get out of this. Readiness. Look at verse thirty-five. Let your waist be girded. The uh, New Revised Standard Version says, uh, "Be dressed up. Get dressed. Be dressed and be ready." Uh, The New King James says, "Be girded." And you know those people used to wear robes, and which were very cumbersome, and so. The gird your robe means you reach down and you pull it up between your legs and you put it in your belt around your waist, like uh, Yule Brenner and the King and I. Remember how he stood there like this and <laughs> his robe was pulled up and it was in these vest and now he was, there was a sword there and he was ready. So uh, what Jesus is saying that we need to be ready, okay? Uh, ready for action. Dressed and ready for action. What kind of action? He doesn't tell us yet. But you better be ready. Uh, did you have a mother like I did? She always said, Are you, make sure your underwear is clean. <laughs> Remember when she said that? Why did she say that? Because you may end up having an accident living to the hospital. Need to be ready. You got the right clothes on, you know, and they're clean. Jesus here says we need to be ready. Now, when he says this, I'm convinced that the disciples know exactly what he's saying. So I want you to keep your finger here, and I want you to move back to Exodus, okay? Move back to Exodus chapter 12. And you'll, I think you'll see very clearly what Jesus is talking about, and uh, we miss it because we live 2,000 years after he speaks, but these people were Jewish, and they understood very clearly what he was saying. In Exodus chapter 12, Look what, Jesus, uh, look what Mo, uh, Moses is told by God, and he passes it on to the people down in verse 11. That's Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11. Now remember, this is the night before the Exodus. Look what he says, verse 11. And thus you shall eat with a belt on your waist. Now that's having your loins girded, you see, pulled up and tucked in your waist. And you're going to eat with sandals on your feet. And guess what You're else? You're going to eat with a staff in your hand. Why? Go. You've got to be ready to go. The exodus, when it happens, and God says, go, you can't say, well, I have to get dressed. Too late then. You'll end up in the Red Sea. You have to be ready to go. By the way, do you remember what kind of food they ate that night? What kind of bread was it? Oh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Bread. You need to be unleavened. Don't be like them. Don't be greedy. Guess what? You can't take the trailer with you when you're crossing the Red Sea. Forget about those possessions. So, unleavened bread. So, Jesus says, Beware of the Pharisees, leaven, uh, of the leaven of the Pharisees. He's still speaking about it. 35 verses later. They're thinking back to that, what he said in verse 1, and they're thinking back to the exodus, and we need to be ready for action. Ready to move out. No time to prepare after the fact. So be dressed. Now look what else it says. Go back to Luke chapter 12. In verse 35. And then he says this. And have your lamps burning you have to be ready you have to have those lamps burning why would you have to have your lamps burning well you may have to move out at night so all he's describing here is being ready dressed and ready to go lamps burning remember a couple weeks ago I'm not going to go back into a review of all these lessons but he said watch out that the light in you is not darkness remember that Remember how he said that the Pharisees had darkness inside of them? And he described the darkness as greed. He says, it shouldn't be so with you. You're supposed to have your light burning, not be hiding behind a mask which masks darkness. And so we need to be vigilant and we need to be ready for action. He doesn't tell us what the action is. That's the instruction. Now look at the illustration. Verse 36. And you yourselves should be like men who wait for their master. Oh, now we see what we need to be ready for. We need to be like people who wait for their master. When he will return from a wedding. That when he comes and he knocks that they may open to him, how? Immediately. So you have to be ready when that master returns. You can't say, wait a second. You can't look down out of the window and say, oh master, wait a second, I have to get my clothes on. (laughs) You're not ready. Oh, I have to get the light ready. Hey, you better be clothed and you better have that light ready when he knocks, Because Otherwise, you're going to get fired. You know? So you have to be ready. I, um, I love watching PBS because they have all these documentaries. And, uh, maybe you've seen the one where it deals with the palace workers, the people who, who are workers in the various pal- pal- uh, palaces throughout the United Kingdom that are owned by <laughs> Queen Elizabeth and how they have to always be ready for her arrival. They never know when she's going to come. He'll get a phone call and they'll say, expect a king, queen, in an hour. Well, guess what? That's not when you start cutting the grass. <laughs> <laughs> they have to be ready. And these people, I mean, they have all the gold polish and they're always they're dressed the way they're supposed to be dressed. And there's a person up in a tower and he sees her coming. He has these binoculars and he sees her coming. And at a certain point, he raises the flag and says she's coming onto the property. And then, you know, the horns blow and the people are opening the doors for her. And... Everybody goes right into action because when she arrives, they need to be ready. That's not the time to prepare. And so here we see these people who are to be ready for the return of their master. Now look at the results. Look at verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Blessed are those who are ready. What a feeling that is when the queen comes and you've done the job well. What a blessing when the master knocks at the door and you've done the job well. That's a job well done. And then he says this, assuredly I say to you, he, that's the master, watch this, will gird himself. Oh. Now here's sort of a switch. The master will gird himself and have them, that's the servants, sit down to eat And he will come and serve them. A reversal of status. Can you imagine being served by the master? What a blessing that would be. Because you were ready. Now this is a picture of the Lord's Supper. (coughs) Because that's exactly what Jesus does at the Lord's Supper. In John, it says, he girds himself. And he washes his disciples' feet. He has a meal and he hosts the meal and he serves them. They don't serve him. (laughs) The master is one who serves. Is the disciple greater than the master? No. So we should be people who serve. So he girds himself and he serves. It's a picture of the Lord's Supper. It's a foretaste of what the kingdom of God is going to be like. It's a great messianic banquet when we all get together and the Lord Jesus is the host. And so... We are served because we have been ready. We are blessed. Now look at verse 38 because it's very interesting. And if he should come, that's the master, in the second watch, that's the middle of the night, or come in the third watch, that's right at dawn, that's the cock crow that we've talked about before, and find them so, find them ready, Blessed are those servants, because they have been dressed and the lamps are ready. And so this is an illustration of readiness. (laughs) Makes sense, doesn't it? Okay, that's section number one. Now we're going to come to a second section. And it too includes an illustration. It's a a completely different scenario. It's not about a master who's away at a wedding. It's about a break-in. In the middle of the night, it's about a burglary in someone's house. Jesus is going to drive home the same point. Now look at it. Look at verse 39. But know this. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allow his house to be broken into. That's true. If there are a rash of burglaries in your neighborhood, I know one thing you're going to do. Uh, you're not going to sleep good at night. You, Some of you may even sit up with a a gun by your side. Just waiting for that person to step foot on your property. And if you don't do that, you would call the police and they'd put on extra patrol cars, wouldn't they? They would surveil the area and make sure that this didn't happen because you need to be ready. You need to be ready. Or if the police don't do anything, you'd get all your neighbors together and you'd have some sort of a group that just patrols the neighborhood themselves at night. Just to make sure that your neighborhood is safe. So you need to be ready. So that's what we have here. Whatever you do, whatever is necessary, you'll do to be ready. Now look at verse 40. Therefore, now here's the lesson. You also be ready. Ready for what? For the Son of Man is coming. He's coming in an hour that you do not expect. He comes like a thief in the night. That's why if I said to you, do you believe Jesus is coming today? Most of us would say no. In an hour you think not. The Son of Man comes. And guess what that means? We need to always be ready. Now remember what he's talking about. He's talking about beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of greed. You can't, don't be covered with all these possessions. Don't get, you need to be doing what the Lord wants you to do. He wants to see you serving. And then blessed are you when he comes. Then you indeed are ready. Now look at verse 41. Very interesting. Then Peter said to him, to Jesus, Lord, you speak this parable only to us, or to everybody. Now, is this story that you've told us for, for the disciples, or is this for the Pharisees and the scribes and the lost people? How would you answer that if, if, if you were Jesus, and Peter said, "Is this parable for us, or is it for them? Who is it for? Well, it's very interesting. Jesus doesn't answer. He doesn't tell Peter, this is for you. Oh no, Peter, this isn't for you. This... He doesn't answer. You know what he does? He just goes into another illustration. Right. And he will answer it indirectly. Because so now we come to section number three. And illustration number three. Now look at verse 42. The Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward? Now he's going to talk about a steward. Watch this. Who then is the faithful and wise steward? Whom his master will make ruler over his household. To give them, that's the household, his family and friends and people that are under his roof, who will give them their portion of food in due season. So here we have a different scene. Still a house, not about a burglary, not about a master who's away at a wedding, but it's about a house, and it's about a man who owns the house, the master, and he has a steward or a manager who runs his household. And runs his, probably his business affairs. Okay. And the master is going to leave, and when he leaves, he's going to put his steward or his manager in charge of his household. Okay. Now, what is this steward going to do? First of all, it says at the end of verse 42 when the master's gone, he is supposed to give food to the household at the right time. He has to make sure there's a breakfast there. He has to make sure that there is the lunch there. He has to make sure that there is supper for everybody under the master's roof. And when that master leaves, notice what he says. He'll make that that, uh, steward, right in the middle. Wise steward, whom his master will make what? Ruler. That means this man has authority. This man has been given the authority of the master. In the master's absence. Now look at verse 43. Verse 43. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find, look, doing so when he comes. Doing what when he comes? Feeding the household feeding the household, doing what the master wants. Now, in many ways, notice that phrase, when he comes, in verse 43. We see that same phrase back in verse 37, that the master comes, see? And this man, the steward, until that master comes, is to be handling his responsibilities well. He is, in a sense, not only serving the master, but he represents the master. He cares for the master's household, the same as if the master did when the master, as the master does when the master's home. So this man has tremendous authority, and verse 43 says, "What happens? If he does it well, he's what? What's it saying in verse 43? "Blessed. There's that blessed again. If you're ready and you do your job and the master comes and finds you doing your job, guess what? Blessed. Now in the first story, the blessed person, they ended up becoming recipients of the master's kindness. He ended up serving them. He girded himself. Now look what he does. Truly I say to you in verse 44, he will make him, the master will make that faithful steward ruler over what? all that he has, everything that he has, because he knows that he handles the master's possessions well. This man faithfully handles the master's possessions well. And if he does it and the master sees that, he promotes him and gives him charge of everything that he owns. But what happens if that steward does not discharge his duties well? in the master's absence look at verse 45 but if the steward says in his heart uh uh-oh let me just stop right there you know you're in trouble when you see that in scripture and the rich man said to himself soul remember when he said that anytime in luke's gospel where people start talking to themselves you know you're in trouble now watch what happens look at verse 45 But if the steward says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. Uh Uh-oh. Never should even... Why did that thought even come into your mind? Look at this. (laughs) My master's delaying his coming. And he begins to beat the male and the female servants. And look at this. And to eat and drink and be drunk. He starts taking it for himself. What belongs to the master and what he's supposed to distribute. He starts... Consuming it himself, as if it's his own, instead of distributing and being a good steward of what the master owns and the master's possessions. This is a person, by the way, who's not ready when the master comes home. Because if the master finds you at 3 o'clock in the morning stuffing yourself and <coughs> with three hot dogs and a big you know, quart of beer, And there you are like this. And the master comes in. Hey, master! (laughs) And the master comes in. And they're the householder. They've been beaten, men and women. Uh, I don't think you're ready. (laughs) So what happens is, look at the result, verse 46. The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him. And in an hour when he's not aware and he will cut him in two and appoint him to his portion with who? Unbelievers. Now, first of all, he cuts him in two. Now, is this literal? Or is this figurative? Does the master come and pull out his sword just (laughs) like a mafia figure? Or is this, and then buries him with unbelievers? Or... Is it figurative. Uh, you've heard people. few, man, did he cut him down? Did he cut him to pieces? Did he cut him to ribbons? Well, I don't know whether it's little or, literal or physical, but I know one thing, it's not good. <laughs> that means you're being punished, and you're being punished severely. In other words, what Jesus is saying in this parable, now remember it's just a parable. This didn't literally happen. It's a parable. He's telling a story, giving an illustration. What Jesus is saying is, This unfaithful servant who wasn't ready is facing the worst possible fate that he could think of. Now, who's he speaking to? Remember Peter's question up in verse 41? Lord, are you speaking to us or are you speaking to others? Now, who do you think he's speaking to? I think he's speaking to us. Because your fate ends up the same as what? the unbelievers. You're not an unbeliever in the sense that you not, not, I shouldn't say it that way, but it's like you were in charge of the master's possessions. You had a job to do. You said I will! I will! You professed your allegiance to the master. Can I trust you with my possessions? You can! You can! I give my allegiance to you, master! But guess what? The master delays his coming, and then what do you do? Your profession isn't worth two cents. And you're a hypocrite. And guess what? Instead of distributing the goods to others, you take them for yourself. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He says to every person who professes their allegiance to the master. Do verse 47. And that servant who knew his master's will, did he know his master's will? Yes. And did not prepare himself, wasn't ready, or do according to his will, shall be beaten with many. Stripes. See, now instead of being cut, he's talking about being beaten, but it's the same person. So all he's saying is that person's future is not what he desires. He is facing the most, the worst fate that he can even think of. Now, let me ask you a question What does this say about us to whom Christ has entrusted the gospel? And he said, Here's my will. I'll give it to you. Go into the world and preach the gospel. Share the gospel with everybody. Will you do that? And we said, We will. And we don't. And we said, Well, I can share the gospel another time. But you're not handling, you're not faithful with what Christ has entrusted you with, which is the gospel. Now notice he doesn't say he's going to get a slap on the hand. is going to get his lot with the unbelievers. Why? Because he isn't a believer. Oh, he professed. He's hidden behind the mask of baptism. He's hidden behind the mask of being a church member. He's been hid, hidden behind the mask of professing his faith in Jesus Christ, but he's exposed for what he is, unfaithful. That person will be cut to pieces. That person will be beat. So we can say, uh, we can get in this church service and we can sing, Jesus, I love thee. But if he comes back today, where do we stand? Having known his will and not doing it. Now look at verse 48. But he who does not know yet commits things deserving of stripes. Now here's a lost person. Here's a lost person. Doesn't know God's will. He does things that's worthy of punishment. They go out and sin all the time. They're lost people. That's what they do. But they don't know it necessarily. They don't know how to handle their finances, handle God's possessions. They shall be beaten with few. Look at that. With few. Still predicament. Still punishment. Yes. But guess who gets punished worse? The person who knows God's will or the person who doesn't? (laughs) It's the person who knows God's will and doesn't do it. It's not the homosexual who's just a sinner. It's not the the liar who's just a sinner. It's not the drunk who's just a sinner. It's not just a lost person who doesn't who wasn't raised like we were, didn't know God's will, you know, they didn't have the fortune to have the gospel preached to them like we have. They're just living in darkness and they don't profess anything. And guess what? And they do things wrong? They'll be punished. It'll be lighter than the person who professes faith and then doesn't do it. Who knows God's will and doesn't do it. That's severe. Both, however, get punishment, which is, the pastor talked about hell, judgment. Now look at the rest of verse 48. For for everyone to whom much is given, much light, much possessions, I think in this case he's talking about possessions, that's what he's been talking about, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be what? Required. Required. If God has placed in your hands a lot of possessions, then he requires you to give a lot away. If he's given you a lot of light. He expects you to live up according to that light. Well and then, into for verse 48, And to whom much has been committed, like the gospel, or a call to the ministry of them, They will ask the more. So, if you handle God's responsibilities well, then he will give you more. Just like the steward. He did his job well, and the master made him ruler of all. See? To whom much is committed, and if you do it well, then guess what? He gives you more. He says, hey, I can trust him with that. I can trust her with that. So he gives you more responsibility. See? And then God takes care of all your needs. So let me ask you this. How do you handle God's possessions? Things that you don't own, they're really God's. He's given them to you. We talked about that last week. <clears throat> He's entrusted it to you. Do you see the need around you? Are you doing it? You say you do it. You say, I want to do it. Are you doing it? Am I doing it? And then we have to say, in light of this, if he comes right now, before we said our last amen, what category would we be in? Those of the faithful servant are those of the professor who has compromised and has gone the way of the Pharisee. We've become greedy and we have basically served ourselves rather than the Lord. Now, let me give you some common denominators in this section. Some things I see in all three of these stories, all three of these illustrations. Number one, the certainty of the master's return. In every one, you see the certainty of the master's return. Okay, number two, you see the unpredictability of when he will return. <laughs> it's certain that he will return the unpredictability of when he will return. That certainty and that unpredictability motivate us, at least they should, they should motivate us to be faithful with the duties and the resources that God gives us. Because we know that when he comes it's either going to be blessing or it's going to be cursing. See, this passage that Jesus speaks of, he speaks of blessing, he speaks of cursing. comes right out of Deuteronomy, where Moses talked about blessings and cursings, and Jesus is basically alluding to that. So if we're faithful, and we execute the duties that God has given us, he'll give us more, we're blessed. If we give our possessions away, he takes care of all of our needs, we don't have to worry about what tomorrow's going to happen. But if we don't, you see, if we don't, and we are not ready. This should motivate us to be ready and to be alert waiting for Christ coming. So blessings come upon to those who execute his respons- the responsibilities, but to those who don't. Judgment. You go to the place of the lost, the unbeliever, no matter what you profess. No matter what you profess, no matter how many churches you belong to, how many times you've been baptized? Because all you've been doing is hiding behind the mask of religion, but in reality, you've been living for yourself, profession. So readiness. You know the Boy Scouts have uh, captured it in one little term: the Boy Scout motto. What is it? Be prepared, for in an hour, for in an hour, when you think not. Son of man cometh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. May this word grip our hearts. May this word force us to see how we handle the possessions of the master. Do we distribute them or do we hoard them for ourselves like the farmer? Are we greedy or do we use these possessions at our disposal to meet other people's needs? And in doing so, given more possessions and more possessions and more responsibilities because we've been faithful and blessed. Oh, Lord, help us to look at the alternative and help us to put our, our lives uh, in the center of your will. You've given us knowledge of your will. Now help us to realize the important responsibility we have to execute. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.